You are listening to the Ridgewood Church Podcast on a sermon series that will take us through the Gospel of John, entitled, Learning Jesus. By the way, just to clarify what Wendy said earlier about being Seahawks fans, we want you to know that we kind of are, but we're more Vikings fans, and we don't want you to hate us. And it's not our fault that you had Blair Walsh. Wow. It's a tough crowd today. I see the Eagles I represented this morning. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm excited this morning because uh, our subject matter is amazing. Jesus is the source of everything. All that exists, mountains, rivers, forests, lakes, everything, the entire universe exists because of Jesus. And not only did he create everything, Jesus gives life to everything. That's the kind of person that he is. And in our passage today, John wants to make it abundantly clear that Jesus is the source of everything that exists, so we then can walk close to him to have victorious and fruitful Christian lives. So this morning, John is exhorting us to run toward Jesus, to run toward the Creator, to run toward the Sustainer, to run toward the source of everything. Jesus is amazing, and this morning we get to learn more about Him. We are in this series we're called, that we call Learning Jesus, and if you were here last week, you saw this. If not, the book of John is kind of divided up into these sections, and so we'll be dealing with the origins of the universe, which we are right now, that Christ has created for us. We'll be talking about the signs of Jesus, the sayings of Jesus, the preparations of Jesus for his death and resurrection, the trials that he went through, his resurrection, and then mission, all embodied in the book of John. Right now, we are here. We are on origins. And we're discovering the amazing beginning that Jesus helped orchestrate, the one that he created as the agent of creation. And so I want you this morning to believe, I want you to find your hope in, I want you to find your purpose in Jesus and Jesus alone, because you'll find this morning that He is the source of all things. And so please turn with me, if you would, to the passage we're studying this morning, John 1, beginning in verse 3. John 1, 3 through 5 this morning. If you want to grab a Bible in that seat back in front of you, you can turn to page number 886. And you can also download the Ridgewood app that Justin was talking about. You'll find all the study notes and scriptures there. John 1, 3. So you remember last week, in verses 1 and 2, we discovered that Jesus is the Word, Lagos. He's the very expression of God. And that Jesus has always been. So there has never been a time when Jesus was not. He's an eternal person, acting within the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
we also know from those first two verses that Jesus is fully God. And what John is doing here in this prologue is he's building his case for the rest of his gospel that we can come to Jesus, believe, and have life. And so he's telling us basically what's different about Jesus, why can we depend on him to give us life. And so here in verses 3 through 5, he's described by John, his close personal friend and disciple, as the source of everything. Look at verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So there's tremendous power here that John is describing. Power that we can run to in our lives to find something new and different and to live forever. So why is that the case? How do we know that? Well, John says first here that Jesus is the source of creation. He is the source of everything that has been made. And that's an amazing assertion. And I wonder how many times that you've actually thought of Jesus as creator. Many times we don't hear this side of Jesus in Sunday school. And we don't often study the creative work of Christ. But you can draw a straight line from John 1 back to Genesis 1, where there's similar language in the beginning. There, all the members of the Trinity were at work. Here, in John 1, all the members of the Trinity are at work, and Jesus is creating. Now, there is a philosophical question that kind of hangs over all of philosophy, and it is this. Why is there something when there once was nothing? Why is there something when there once was nothing? Now, we as believers... Trust that to be God. God is the initiator of creation. But what John is telling us here, that as the Father carried out creation, the Son, Jesus, was the agent of creation. He was the agent that the Father used. And this is actually, this is repeated through the whole New Testament. I'll give you three examples. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Yet for us, there is one God, the Father from whom are all things, and for whom we exist, in one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we exist. Jesus, the agent of creation. In Colossians, Paul also underlines this truth. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, the agent of creation. And then the author of Hebrews, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So do you see that? Father instigates creation. Jesus is the agent of creation. John is building his case that we can trust Jesus, that we can run to Jesus, that Jesus can be fully sufficient for us. 
And as I studied this text, I continually asked myself, if this is true, why do I continually run to everything else besides Jesus? Sometimes my thought processes just go back to old ways of thinking. I can be facing a day and I can be thinking, oh, instead of going, wow, Jesus will sustain me. Jesus has a great day in front of me. I'll be thinking, oh, so many appointments. I don't want to meet with this person. Not you. I love, I love you. If I have an appointment with you, I can't wait for that on the calendar. But all of this negative thinking, why do I go there? Because I'm broken in sin and because I'm used to doing that. And what Jesus is saying is that there is a better way. Run to me. Stop going off other places to numb your pain. Come to me. I'm waiting for you. I have this incredible power. And John is eliciting belief in Jesus. So on the positive side, he underlines this truth. All things were made through him. And then he turns it around and helps negatively assert it. Without him was not anything made that was made. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. And so he's building the foundation for his case. Jesus is everything. And so we can go back to Genesis and we can see Jesus as the spoken word, the logos, where everything came into being, and here he's the agent of creation. So we know he's this person. We know he's powerful. We know that he is everything to us because he is the source of creation. And secondly, John will assert that he is the source of life. Jesus is the source of life. How do I know that he has the power to satisfy me, to give me eternal life? Because he is the source of life. Look at verse 4. In him was life, and life was the light of men. In him was life. And here, life and light are qualities of the word that are shared, not only by members of the Godhead, but all that follow Jesus. And that's amazing. And so the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have life. We have life by following Jesus. And John mentions the word life here 36 times in this book because it matters to him because this is what he is writing the book to tell us, that Jesus is life. And he's not talking about just temporal or physical life. He's talking about eternal life. And if you look again at the goal of the gospel... John 20, 31, we see these. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is why John wrote the book. This is what he is driving us toward. So he's writing all this down so that we might believe in him. And so why would we go all kinds of different places when Jesus is right in front of us. And this was so important to John. John knew Jesus well. He was a close friend of Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He heard Jesus talk. And so his theology and his worldview were all instructed by watching and listening to Jesus. And so we have the incredible privilege in the church age to come along and read exactly what the apostle wrote down for us. We couldn't walk with him. We live 2,000 years later, but we can read a diary of what happened with Jesus in order that we might believe. 
But Jesus is the gift to us, and he is the giver of life. So I ask you this morning, have you accepted this gift of life? Have you given yourself to Jesus? Have you said to him, you know, I can't do this on my own. I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. I want to give my life to you. I want to be saved. I want to have eternal life. The Bible says that we are saved through grace, through, by grace through faith, not because we can do anything on our own. Have you made that decision? And if you are a believer, have you given yourself fully to him because he has promised abundant life? Not prosperity gospel abundant life. Jesus isn't a boat or an airplane. He's not more money in the bank. But what he has promised is more of himself, which is incredibly sufficient because he is the creator of all things. And if you're willing to give yourself to Jesus, Jesus can do amazing things. He can give you purpose, a reason to get up in the morning, a reason to make decisions for the future. He can fill holes in your heart that you never thought could ever be filled. Many of us walk around with these deep wounds. Jesus can heal those wounds. In a world that there is no truth, Jesus says, I am truth. And he can help you build a foundation of truth in your lives, a basis of which to move forward. Jesus can do that for you. Jesus can help you overcome addiction to substances, to pornography, to shame, to negative feelings. Jesus can do all of that. And he can help you heal broken relationships. How do we know that he can? Because John is saying, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and he made everything. So he's saying, why would you doubt that? You see what I'm telling you? Jesus can do all of that. In short, Jesus can provide hope for the future. And most importantly, Jesus can give you eternal life. Now someone came up to me not long ago and they said this, Hey, man, you're always talking about eternal life. Oh, yeah, kind of important. He goes, but you don't understand. Some people don't want eternal life, okay? Because they don't want to keep living the life they're living right now forever. And I, I get that. And he said they're scared, scared of eternal life. And, and I understand that. Who wants to keep doing this forever? But the Bible paints a different picture of what's ahead for us. And I want to give you just a little glimpse of that. This is Revelation 21. This is what's ahead. This is eternal life. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is what we're aiming for. This is what's ahead for us. And I see this and I go, wow, I can't wait for the time when there's no more crying, no more pain. I've had enough of that. I just want to be with God and have Him be my God and be in the presence of God. This life will pass away. Eternal life, what's ahead for us, is going to be amazing because God will be there and we will be there. And Jesus has the authority to help us move into that eternal life. 
But it's only through Jesus. Only through Christ. Through belief in the Son of God. Through belief that He paid for your sin on the cross. That He's already died for it. That the penalty has been paid. And so you are no longer shackled with sin. And so that by believing in Jesus, you can have that life in heaven because you will be seen by the Father as being totally righteous in Christ's righteousness. But that's the only way. Believing in the Son of God. And Jesus talked about this, and John wrote it down in John 14, 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Why did John write that down? Because that's what he's trying to help us understand. You believe in Jesus, you can have eternal life. But don't try to find it in other places because it doesn't exist. Jesus said he's the only way. And so I'm encouraging you this morning to, to look at who Jesus is in this text. And don't forsake coming to him. Maybe you've been a believer a long time, but it's, you're, you're, you've run cold, you're dry. You can't find that emotion anymore. You don't think that you're relating to God very well. And that doesn't mean you're not a believer. What it means is something's wrong or God's doing something in your life. And so you can come here and you can pray with somebody in the front. And if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the first time, you can come and pray with someone up front. Or you can fill out a Connect card, as Justin said, and you can put them in one of the boxes in the back, and you can just write, I want Jesus, and put a contact note. Only a pastor will contact you. You can talk to the person who brought you. You can find a staff member. But if Jesus is prompting your heart right now and saying, you need to get right with God, you need to be saved through Jesus, then don't wait another moment. Because Jesus is the source of life. He's also the source of creation. And John says, why do we know he is so powerful? It's because he's the source of light. Jesus is light. Verse 4 tells us this. And the life was the light of men. And so what is the light exactly? Well, light in the Bible denotes salvation. It denotes the, the shining light of purity and holiness of God. It is contrasted with darkness in Scripture, which denotes separation from God and sin and the kingdom of the enemy. And the good news for us is that light always overcomes darkness. And that's what John's trying to help us understand here. And Isaiah, the prophet, quoted in 9.2 that there is a great light that is coming. Matthew, in his gospel, jumped on that and repeated that phrasing, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. If you need hope this morning, this is a good sentence to hang on to. On them, a light has dawned. Listen, man, we're such a negative people. We get caught up in these 24-hour news cycles where everything is terrible, everything's falling apart. Nothing could be worse. This is your hope. On them, light has dawned. Jesus is waiting for you. Jesus loves you. He wants you to come to Him. In John 8, 12, He is the light of the world. He's the source of everything. And so he can change your life through simple belief, through coming to him in submission and saying, you know what? 
I've been a believer a long time, but I need more of you. Then Jesus will be there for you. One commentator wrote it this way. He said, of the light, all that in men which is true light, knowledge, integrity, intelligence, willing subjection to God, love to Him and to their fellow creatures, wisdom, purity, holy joy, rational happiness, all this light of men has its fountain in the essential, original life of the Word. It's Jesus Christ. He is the source of moral purity. He is the source of light, and He chases away darkness. And that's good news for you and me. He created everything. He provides light to everything. And He provides it for you when you need it. And so, again, we go back to this question, why wouldn't we just run to Him? And I think that as sinful men and women, we we have this sin problem. And so, the foundation of that sin problem is rebellion. Remember what happened in the garden? It was rebellion. It was this idea where Satan came and said, you think God really has your back? You think that's all you can really have? And they bought it. And so that's within each one of us. We are rebelling against God. So we're not always going to want to run to the place where we can be satisfied. But I'm here to tell you that if you run to other places, you're going to find that it's absolutely unsatisfying. And so don't go there. Go to Jesus. You you, you feel pain? Go to Jesus. You're lonely? Go to Jesus. You feel like there's no hope in your life? Then run to Jesus. Run to the source of everything because He is there for you. He wants you to come. And so now John continues this amazing section with verse 5, and it's a fantastic bit of hope. Here's what he says. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so John tells us this, that Jesus not only is all that other, but he is also the source of victory. Jesus is the source of victory. And that's good news. Darkness cannot overcome light. If you are in a dark place and you pull out a flashlight, what happens? The darkness disappears. If you're in your house, it's dark at night, turn on the light, darkness disappears. If you use your cell phone light and you're like me and you leave it on for two days in your pocket and people are teasing you and you don't even know it, why is a light coming out of your pocket? That's to dispel darkness. That's why we have those lights. And here's the gospel really centered right here in this beautiful little verse. Light will always invade the dominion of darkness. And Satan is the ruler of this dominion, but he always encounters the light of Christ in the life of a believer, and he cannot resist its power. The power will always overcome Satan. And so then, the word will be victorious in spite of any opposition. Jesus wins. That's good news. And that's why we don't have to run scared. That's why we don't have to to buy into the doom and gloom mentality that we're surrounded with because we have the light of Christ. He created everything. He has bestowed life in it and light in it, and He will always be victorious. And that's really good, really helpful. But then the question becomes, how do we run to it? So I want to encourage you this morning, I want you to run to this source 
And I, I chose the word run purposely because that's not a passive action. It's intentional. I want you to, to, to go hard after Christ. When Paul's describing the discipline of the Christian life, he's always talking about athletes and running and conditioning and discipline. And I want you to run to the light. So I want to give you just three tips on how to do that. How do we run to the source? First is learning Jesus. And that's what we're doing here by being in the Gospel of John. And I want to encourage you to learn Jesus through Scripture. I want you to read through the Gospels. Not to just find tips on how to live or to learn methodology, but to learn Jesus, to, to begin to think like Jesus, to begin to act like Jesus, to understand more about what makes Him tick. Because He indwells you. So I want you to be in the Gospels, but I'm going to send out a warning that Scripture reading on its own is not going to transform your life. And somehow, I believe that we've gotten to the places in some evangelical circles where we think that Scripture, just learning Scripture, will somehow automatically send us into this discipleship. No, there are decisions that you have to make. Are you going to submit yourself to Christ? The Pharisees, man, they knew Scripture. They, they could recite the law back and forth. And here's what Jesus said about them. You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. In other words, don't go to the Bible just to learn the Bible. Go to the Bible to learn Jesus. Because that scripture is pointing to Jesus in the Old Testament. It's looking back on the cross in the New Testament. So that's the first thing. Secondly, I want you to run to the source by trusting and submitting to Jesus. Submitting to the source. There's a difference between learning about Jesus. There's a difference between living the Christian life than being totally submitted to the Christian life, being totally submitted to Jesus. Satisfaction, abundance, power, fruitfulness only comes through submission. But that's really hard. It's really hard. We have to ask to be submitted. We have to be fully engaged disciples. And as I'm praying in the morning and I'm, I'm, I'm going along and I'm always feeling Jesus calling me to Submit, Paul. The thing you're praying about, just leave it here at the altar. Let me take care of that. Just submit to the, my will in that. But Lord, I need wisdom. I don't know what decision to make. I understand. Just submit that to me and I'll bring clarity. But I'm hurting inside. Someone has hurt me. I know. But just leave that here. Submit it to me. And I'll help you heal that wound. I'll help you move on. But Jesus, I want to do things my own way. I know you do. But submit it to me and I will give you the joy you thought you could never have. And I try to end each prayer session with these words. I try to say, Lord, I want you to do whatever it takes in my life. Take anything you want to make me the man you want me to be. And that's a costly prayer. I've seen God take things. I've seen God take things that I love dearly. But at the same time, I know that God is answering that prayer. He's, he's doing something inside of me. And so that's what submission's all about. I want to seek after Christ. I want to run to Jesus. The book of Hebrews tells us this in 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. 
Don't be content with shallow belief. Don't be content, and I say this with respect, with KTIS Christianity or theology. Go deeper. Dig in. Find out what God has for you. And that's where you're going to find Jesus. Run to the source by learning him, by submitting to him, and then run to the source by proclaiming the name of Jesus. The best way to learn Jesus is to be about the business of proclaiming Jesus. Because that's where you walk on the edge. That's where you're out there and you need him to come. And so I ask you, are you about the business of proclaiming Jesus? Are you going to be one who tells others about Jesus? Or are you going to leave that to the professionals? Or leave that to your friend who has the gift of evangelism? And you'll be content just to put money in the offering plate, and that'll be good. That is good. Except for, I'm calling you to be a missionary. Because this is what the Bible says. Paul wrote about this in the book of Romans. He said, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him on whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And this isn't preaching from the pulpit. This is someone proclaiming the gospel. In other words, how are they going to believe if they've never heard? And who's going to tell them? Who's going to tell them? We have a world that's dying out there. We have people that are dead souls that are headed for hell because the Bible says that's the just penalty of sin, yet we look away and we go on with our lives as if someone else is going to come along and help them. No, it's our responsibility who's going to tell them. The best way to come into contact with Christ, to learn Jesus more and to run to him is by proclaiming him because there's an edge in that where you have to depend on him for the wording, and for the results. And so, here at Ridgewood, we're committed to being the kind of church that proclaims the gospel, that proclaims who Jesus is. And so, come alongside, pray with us, and, and, and join us, and, and, and serve with us. Because we're committed to raising up leaders. We're committed to raising up people that will go out and help train and equip and preach the gospel. We're starting a residency program where we can develop people from inside the church and from outside of the church and train them up so we can develop generations of leaders that will be proclaiming Christ. Meanwhile, we want to disciple every man, woman, and child that is in our sphere of influence to maturity in Christ so they can reproduce as well. We as a church, we want to be multiplying everything. We want to multiply leaders we want to multiply new believers. We want to multiply churches because Jesus said, hey, the harvest is ready, but the workers are few. So who's going to provide the workers? Who, who's going to put new churches on the ground? That needs to be someone. It needs to be us. We can't just pass that responsibility off to another church. Multiply, multiply, multiply. Is it the easiest way to do church? No. Is it the cheapest way to do church? No. Is it the fastest way to grow a church? Absolutely not. Is it the right thing? 100%. 100%. And that's where we're headed. I'm excited about that. Can you tell? We're going to multiply like crazy. And our community groups are multiplying. And we're going into neighborhoods. And people are coming to groups that don't go to our church. And that's exciting. And so we're going to continue to help 
community groups grow, and we're going to also fund missionaries around the world that are bringing the gospel to people who need to hear. There's great stories of what missionaries are doing. We have a chance to be a part, to partner with another church. I'll tell you about this on the 27th at the meeting. But we have a chance to go into a country with very low percentages of believers and help plant a church there. And that's how we do this thing. This is how we multiply. And when we do this, something amazing happens. Not only does the person we're proclaiming Jesus to come into contact with the source for the first time, but we get closer to the source because we are talking about him, relying on him. We're getting excited about him. We're reminding ourselves why we're believers in the first place because we're telling others about this. And so I'm asking you this morning to run to the source. I'm asking you this morning to run to him because he can give you power. He can give you purpose. He can give you eternal life because he himself is the source of everything. So what I'd like you to do is just take a moment of quiet reflection, and I want you to think about your own life. I want you to think about where you are in this process. Are you sold out? Are you running to him? Or are you just kind of coasting? Is there a person that's come to mind that you need to tell? Is there a way that you can serve that you've been asked to and you've kind of been putting it off? Whatever it might be, why don't you take a moment and just have time with God, and then I'll close in prayer. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.